0: Hi, I'm Mo Crum.
1: And I'm Harrison Crum.
0: And we're the Crummy Marathoners.
1: This podcast is for beginners by beginners.
0: If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you.
1: We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned.
0: If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode...
1: We talked to my marathon coach, Tyler Underwood, who went from average to elite and now teaches everything he knows through his amazing coaching programs.
0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 23 of
1: The Marathon Training for Beginners Podcast Hey guys, this is the Crummy Marathoners We're here coming at you from Gilbert, Arizona
0: Hello everyone, it's almost go time I can't believe I'm saying that Oh, Less than two weeks away until our marathon
1: How you feeling Mo? Are you prepared? Enjoying the taper? What's going on?
0: I'm really excited. This last Saturday or yesterday was um, the last time I ran in the double digits. So I did 14 miles, and so this taper—it's kind of surreal that I'm not really going to be running anything beyond nine. No, anything beyond eight until the marathon.
1: Yeah, we're really cutting you back because you'll hear in today's interview all about the taper and how that works, but. I don't want to give too much away because it's a really, really good interview with uh, a very special guest. But last week we talked about common running injuries and we talked all about the IT band syndrome with Dr. Mm. Dwayne Scotty. Next week, you're going to get part two of that series where we're going to talk about runner's knee. And then two weeks after that, part three will be all about shin splints.
0: Mm. That's something that I know all too well.
1: Yeah, I know you've been dealing with a little bit of that. So that'll be a good one for you. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, everybody, to be reminded when these new episodes come out. We don't want you to miss anything, but today we're talking to, as I said, a very special guest, my coach, Tyler Underwood.
0: Okay, let it be known, friends. I have never met or even spoken to Tyler, but I truly think he's probably one of the coolest guys, and how do I know that? Well... Based upon what I've heard from like things Harrison has said and how excited he gets after talking with him and seeing his progress, I mean, he really seems to know what he's doing.
1: He does. He definitely does, 100%. And you guys will hear that come through in, in today's uh, episode. I've had an amazing experience working with him, and you'll hear him drop some great knowledge and I I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil the interview but you're going to walk away with some solid advice on how to prepare for the big race day really when you're about two weeks out and that's that's kind of the focal point of today's conversation.
0: Mm, Yeah I'm super super excited but Harrison before we drop the interview can we do a plug for today's sponsor?
1: Of course how could we forget today's sponsor Um, but today we're gonna do Mo are you ready for it a magic trick? A magic trick, magic trick, magic. <laughs> Michael Scott loves magic tricks, by the way. I know. He if he were here right now, he'd be all on board with this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited. So, but I'm also a little nervous. What's the trick?
1: All right, grab those earplugs that you have right there. So Mo okay. is pulling out a pair of earplugs. They're Just, pretty cool. They're
0: tie dye. Yeah,
1: the kind that you would put in if your partner snores or something like that. All right.
0: Okay, they're in.
1: Okay, now go ahead and put on these aftershocks right here. All right. Now I want you to pull out your phone and I want you to put on some BTS or some Justin Biebs or some <laughs> Silk Sonic.
0: That's right. I'm I'm going to put on some Silk Sonic. Oh.
1: Okay. Why don't you describe to the audience what you're hearing?
0: That's crazy. I hear the music. That's <laughs> really crazy.
1: All right. So everyone, Where just you so at? you know, that's the magic of act- aftershocks right there. So With most headphones, you'd put in some earplugs and you put on the headphones and you wouldn't be able to hear the music, right? Because it's blocking your ear canals. But with Aftershocks, you guys, it bypasses your ear canals altogether. And even though your ears are plugged, you'll hear the music because of the bone conduction technology. So this is why running with Aftershocks is so safe. We talked about this last week. Um, So super cool. And I thought that would be a pretty fun magic trick. What do you think, Mo? What? See, she can't even hear me because... She's got the earplugs in. Take take the earplugs out.
0: <laughs> I'ma leave that Oh, okay. That song is so good. Okay, that is pretty crazy. I I'm in love. I'm I'm in love. That's just that's insane. Yeah. I can't I can't get over that. I could hear it perfectly.
1: Yeah, almost like you can hear it better than when you don't have the earplugs in.
0: Well you know how sometimes when you go to a concert and you you wanna listen to the band and you like plug your ears? Yeah. That was kind of like the same effect.
1: Oh, yeah. Interesting. It was, cool. It was yeah, super cool. Pretty cool.
0: Anyway, yes, I'm in love. They are amazing. Everyone, if you don't already have a pair, please do yourself a favor and visit aftershocks.com slash crummy marathoners for 15% off any pair.
1: That's right, everybody. Go ahead and visit aftershocks.com slash crummy marathoners and look for that little orange bar there at the bottom. It's going to give you a discount code and uh, you'll be able to plug that in and get your 15% off.
0: Yeah. It's an amazing discount for such an amazing product so we're super stoked we hope you guys love them as much as we do all right all right all right let's get to the interview (laughs) with tyler
1: here's tyler
0: you ready
2: showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy
0: do doing later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes
1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
2: What's what the poster said?
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? because nope. I
2: don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
1: What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right, everybody, I'm super excited because I've been saving this for a while. I've had it in my mind to to ask for this, and I was always too afraid because I thought. Maybe he'd be like, what are you talking about, man? Like, I don't do podcasts, but I have with me my marathon coach, Tyler Underwood. What's going on, Tyler? Hey,
2: hey, I'm honored to be here, man. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I've, I've thought for a long time. I'm like, I got to get him on. We've talked about, we haven't shared your name or anything, but we've mm-hmm. kind of mentioned, you know, I have a coach and I'm kind of working through some stuff. And
2: uh, so, so you're, you're almost like the infamous coach. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, um, obviously known about your, your podcast and I was like, when is he going to ask me to be on this? <laughs> so I was oh, thinking the, same, the opposite thing, That's um, funny. but I'm very glad to be here. I, I appreciate you. Um, yeah. Bringing me on. I'm excited to talk.
1: Yeah. So for everyone who, um, doesn't know Tyler, he is, I call him a pro runner. He, I don't think you're sponsored
2: by anyone, right? Um, no, we, uh, get some, some help and, um, I had a, a really tiny contract leading into the trials last year, but, um. Not, not a real sponsorship, definitely not a pro.
1: Is that what defines someone as a pro runner because they have like, like a, a big time contract or what defines a pro?
2: I would define a pro as, as someone who, um, whose full-time job is running um, gotcha. and they can make a, a living and a salary off of sponsorships and prize money and that kind of thing. I mean, there are other runners who I consider pros that also have like a second regular job Um, which I don't think is a bad idea. Um, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't consider myself, I don't make enough money to where I could (laughs) only run. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. What I pay you every month's not enough to pay pay rent down in San Diego. (laughs) So, um, so you're in San Diego, Mm -hmm. which is the, in my opinion, the, the best place on planet earth to live as far as weather's concerned. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? It's
2: yeah, it's, it's hard to beat. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, um, and so you and I have been working together for a little while. And the reason why I was attracted to to wanting to work with you was I saw an image on Instagram, and it was like a side by side, and it was your first marathon mm-hmm. and your best marathon. And your first marathon was four ten, mm-hmm. which was my first marathon. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And your your best was what a two eighteen. Mm-hmm. and and that's just like unbelievable. So for everyone listening, a two eighteen, what does that break down, Tyler uh, per mile? It's
2: five seventeen per miles. What I ran.
1: Okay. So you're really only like 10 minutes off from being like an Olympian American athlete. Right. 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 So pretty amazing. if If you really think about going from a 410 from your first all the way to where you're at now, super, super impressive. And so I thought to myself, well, man, if he, if anyone knows about improving from mm-hmm. being at that beginner level, it's, it's, it's you. And so Um, we've had a successful partnership, I think over the last few months Mm -hmm. working together. Um, can you just share with the audience a little bit about your coaching programs? I know you and your wife do some stuff together, um, maybe plug your Instagrams and all that good stuff. Sure.
2: Um, so more people will know my wife, uh, she is track club babe on Instagram and, uh, I am Thunderface. Um, so I've been coaching for a few years. You know, like you said, I, I have a, a unique history with running and that most people at my level now ran in high school and ran for college and you know were running at a high level before at shorter distances and then moved up to the marathon and you know they might debut at like or run their first marathon at like 230 or 220 even you know um whereas i was a, i didn't run in high school i ran as a kid and i was pretty fast so i knew there was something there and i've always liked running but I, I didn't run competitively through high school or college and just kind of picked it up again. And I was slow. I mean, 4.10 was all I had that day um, for my first marathon and um, just had to kind of um, take the back door into uh, elite running, um, just years of, of building up. So um, that's kind of like my story. And um, not many people have that, but there are so many Uh, you know, novice, intermediate, even advanced runners who are trying to get faster. um, And I feel like I can relate to people because I know what it's like to run at all these different levels and how it feels different, you know, at at different paces. And um, so I started coaching and just kind of sharing what I had learned uh, through the years of, um, you know, making my way uh, up to higher levels. And my wife and I recently put out a A training plan called fast fall. So it's just, you know, focusing on shorter distances. And if you get faster at shorter distances, then you're going to get faster at longer distances as well. Um, And that's just kind of a place to start. And if you're, you know, kind of in a, we we see a lot of people who are stuck in a rut of not being able to get faster at the marathon. It's just because they can't run faster. So that's the idea behind that. And it's going really well. We we have a lot of people are really successful with that.
1: That's awesome. So anyone interested, that's kind of for any level, would you say?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is training that, that I do in like early season of like building speed and aerobic base. Um, And I mean, we have people, we do mile time trials. And so I essentially did the program the first season we did it. And, you know, I'm running under five minute miles for my time trials. And then we have people who are running 10 minute miles. Um, It's mostly time-based. So the you know and you can kind of customize it and and do we have two different levels too so it's really suits every level i think very well Right
1: on. Yeah. So anyone interested in getting some coaching, taking it to the next level, visit them. Would you say on Instagram is the best way? Yeah. To...
2: On either one of our Instagrams, we have a link there that you could get to, you know, pretty much anything that we've ever done. Um, so yeah. Um, my Instagram, yeah, Tunderface or hers, Track Club, Babe, and you can find those. We have a 5K plan coming out as well. That's really similar, just a little bit more geared towards the 5K.
1: Nice. And one thing I want to throw out there real quick before we jump into the, the content for today mm-hmm. Is, you know, when we talk about speed, I, I always like to throw this out there. You know, a 410 is, is really in the grand scheme of things, not a slow marathon time, right? I mean, for, for some people, that is truly like sure. um, the, the end goal and mm-hmm. and that's okay. And, and I just want to throw out that whatever time you're running, whether it's a six hour marathon or a three hour marathon, it, it doesn't matter uh, as far as, you know, how fast you're going, because at the end of the day, we're not comparing to anybody else but ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what would you say, Tyler, for someone who's not a pro runner, for someone like me, Mm -hmm. for example, or a lot of people listening, what's the point of increasing speed? Like, why does it even matter? Why do we care so much as humans (laughs) to, to increase our marathon time? Like at the end of the day, we're still completing the marathon.
2: Right. Why get faster? Right. Um, you know, I, I, ask myself that question a lot actually, and, um, it's, part of me, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I want to be faster. Um, when it comes down to it, um, I, I like the idea of, of knowing that I've gotten something out of myself that I didn't know that I could do before. You know, I've Mm -hmm. accomplished something. I think for a lot of people, that's what it is, is a sense of accomplishment. Um, and that sense of accomplishment for me has, has come in the same way when I, you know, when I ran, when I completed my first marathon, when I Mm. ran anywhere in like the three hour range, when I broke the three hour range, um, when I, you know, when I ran 218, it, it, you know, you're working hard for all of those times. Um, and yeah, you feel accomplished. So.
1: I completely agree with you. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth because for me, it's, um, finishing your first marathon is unlocking something in your mind and in yourself mm-hmm. that then carries to all aspects of your life mm-hmm. like if I could do that hard thing, like what other hard things in my life can I do? and I think every time you unlock a new speed, it's doing the exact same thing. it's that same exercise of I never thought I could right. break a let's say a three thirty or a three hour marathon, but I did, so like what other things that I don't think I could do in my life can I do? Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, exactly, yeah, I mean i there are so many parallels to draw from running to life. And that's, you know, one of my favorite things about it is, uh, just the way that it can carry over and you can learn a lot about, uh, a lot about yourself and a lot about the world just, just from running. So that's one of my favorite things.
1: Absolutely. Well, good. So, so now everybody's had a chance to get to know you and kind of what you and I have been doing together. Um, and so the reason I wanted you to come on today is because Mo and I are about two weeks out from our marathon. Mm -hmm. It's, it's on the 30th today at the time of this recording, it is Saturday, April 17th. So we're really down to the wire and almost this, this is almost just like a coaching call between you and I, Mm -hmm. something that you would do with me one-on-one as part of the program. You know, I want to know, what do I do now? You know, I know we've got the taper ahead of us. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the point of a taper. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to jump into you know, the week before, how do we prepare the night before, what are we thinking about during race day? So I know that's loaded and I don't expect you to answer that all in one. So I'll kind of go through, I'll kind of go through piece by piece. So, um, when we talk about the taper, like what's the
2: point of the taper, right? Yeah. So the, the taper is, um, I mean, it's just like the name, you know, you're, you're tapering off your training, you're slowly decreasing your training up to race day, um, which is, important for a long race, like a marathon, sometimes a half marathon, because it's, you know, it's it's such a long race that you need your, your legs and your body to be fresh. You don't necessarily need that same freshness for like a shorter race of 5k or something. You can, um, you can train a little bit harder up closer to it. Um, But it's not even really necessary, even for shorter races because it takes two weeks for your body to realize Fitness from your workouts. So, like, think of your fitness as like being on a two-week delay. Whatever workout you're doing this week, your body is not going to like see those fitness gains for another two weeks. So, to do mm-hmm. any like a big workout a week before the race has no benefit for race day, and it only makes your legs tired. So, you know, you you kind of you cut off the really big workouts, um, and you just um, you do some, some smaller things to, um, to keep your legs. Um, I like to say poppy, you know, you you keep the the zip in your legs, um, with some shorter, faster running, but nothing that's going to really make your body and your legs really tired. You want to rest up for race day to be able to put that, that long effort in and feel really fresh. So that's kind of what we're starting right now, um, with you. Sure. So would you say it's about a two week period or could it be any longer? Yeah. Um, really three weeks is, um, is more typical. Um, a a really standard taper would be starting at three weeks out from the race. That week you do like 80 to 90% of, of your typical volume. And then the next week you do 60 to 70%. And then the next week, the week leading into your race, you're only doing like 20 to 30% of um, of your training volume. So it's, it's really way down, just short, easy runs mainly. Um, and then some, some faster strides and, and, or pickups, um, you know, just the week of the race for you, we didn't do that. Uh, You know, I don't know how many people know context here, but you kind of had this little thing with your Achilles and
1: yeah, we've talked about it on the podcast. Right.
2: And so, um, that's why we are kind of delaying your taper. And that's also why we did the workout you did today where it wasn't quite as long as what we would have done a week ago. So you get some work in, but you know, we're not, we're not trying to overdo it right now.
1: Yeah. And just so everyone knows. So today it's, you know, the two weeks before I did a, he had me do about a, a mile warm up, 12 miles at marathon pace and then, and then a, a one mile kind of a cool down. And, mm-hmm. and he gave me a couple options based on how I was feeling. And I was, that was kind of the max option and I mm-hmm. felt really good. So I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my question though is, Tyler, why don't we just sit on the couch and rest for the two weeks leading up? Because in my mind, since it's delayed two weeks, mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense like just lay on the couch, don't move <laughs> your legs and, and now you're gonna like get the maximum rest in your legs, right? Well, why don't we do that?
2: Yeah, You want to maintain some normalcy um, in your legs. You know, your your muscles still need to to work. They don't want, you don't want your legs to feel lazy. You don't want to, your legs to feel um, sluggish when you get out there and just regular running makes your, it keeps your legs, uh, sharp. Um, so just doing some short, easy runs and it generates blood flow. And so whatever kind of recovery you need from your harder efforts that are three weeks out and even up to two weeks out getting some blood flow going is going to help recover and, and make your legs actually it helps your legs for race day more so than if you're just kind of sitting around and letting them go to jelly, they're going to feel like jelly on race day.
1: <laughs> yeah, it yeah, totally makes sense. Okay. So, so we're kind of in this two week before range, but mm-hmm. very soon we'll be one week ahead, uh, you know, before the race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what then, like, what kinds of recommendations do you have as far as like sleep patterns Mm -hmm. and getting your mind ready for the race and all that good
2: stuff? Yeah, those, I mean, that's a a great question because sleep can be, uh, very important and and a piece of stress. I feel like for a lot of people, especially leading up to the marathon, um, the night before the marathon, you don't want to expect to sleep. You don't want to be stressed about whether or not you sleep. Because you're probably not, you're gonna be nervous, and rarely does anyone sleep the night before the marathon um I've only there's I've run my very best marathon um and I had a pretty good night of sleep that night um after laying awake for a little bit and then one of my worst marathons I slept like a baby the night before, so mm. I think I was just too tired, and so that wasn't a good thing so, so if I don't sleep great then that, that's an okay thing for me so um so don't expect to sleep really well the night before. Um, so really you want to be just focusing on getting good, solid sleep the week leading up to it, especially two and three nights before, um, even two nights before you're going to be in the hotel. So you might not even sleep really well two nights before. Um, but that means if you feel like you can fall asleep in the middle of the day, then you want to go ahead and take a nap um, and let yourself sleep for 30 minutes, an hour even. Um, and you know, even the day before that, right before you drive up, anything like that, if you can, if you feel like you have time and you're able to take a nap and you feel like you can fall asleep, then go ahead and get some sleep when you can just to feel rested and, um, yeah, get the sleep whenever you can. Cause you're not going to get it <laughs> right before. Yeah. So
1: no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So yeah, if, don't stress if you're not getting a ton of sleep the night before. That's that's what I'm hearing mm-hmm. here. And then just really try to make up for that, the, the days leading up. And would you say the same goes? I, I don't really want to dive too much into nutrition because we've had a couple of episodes on nutrition. Mm-hmm. But would you say the same goes for like hydration and nutrition the week leading up to right, it? Right,
2: absolutely. You can only eat so much the night before the race and you don't want to just absolutely gorge yourself where your your stomach feels heavy with pasta when you wake up in the morning. Um, and so really you're just eating, uh, a healthy portion of meals throughout the week, two and three days ahead of the race, especially, um, to really top off your, uh, carbohydrate stores. Your body can only store so many carbs. Um, and so you can have those topped off with regular sized meals of, you know, what you, whatever you typically eat, um, and nothing extra special the night before, just a good meal. Um, and then, and then drinking as well, like you said, hydrating, uh, is really a a two and three day process and not just the day before.
1: Yeah. What else can we do to prepare? Like, I know you've mentioned studying the the course. Mm -hmm. Um, why is that important?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like, so my wife really doesn't like to know the course. Uh, it makes her nervous. Um, and so she just wants to go in blind, which I don't prefer. Um, even for her, um, I just feel like knowing everything you can know before you get to the start line is going to help you. Um, and so I, I especially like to have, um, things that are familiar to me when I'm out on the course, like I know what to expect. Oh, here's that turn. Oh, this is where I am. You know, I like to be able to visualize where I am on the course. Um, so it it can kind of help to break it down and it doesn't feel so foreign. You know, I don't like to be surprised by a turn and where am I and where's this mile marker and that kind of thing. So the more I can know about a course, the better for me. I want to know where the hills are coming up and, and everything. So <laughs> my wife makes fun of me even because I've watched, I watch courses like sometimes you can find a video of a, the course yeah. or even just looking at it on a map uh on the website, you know, you can, you can learn a lot about it. So yeah, I think that's really important. And then also leading up to the like race week is just logistics. I don't want to be surprised by any kind of logistics. Where's my bib going to be? Where's, You know, where is this and where is that? Where am I going to eat? What if I don't find something to eat? You know, I I like to know where I'm going to eat the night before um, and even, you know, two nights before or the day before. I like to have food with me um, so that I'm not scrambling and I'm not hungry at lunchtime and walking around trying to find something and stressed about that. The more things that you can do, to relieve yourself of stress and extra thinking the days leading up to it, uh, the better, because then you can just focus on what you want to do and execute in the race. So any kind of logistics you could have nailed in, um, you know, before race week or, you know, that you can do during race week before you get to, you know, wherever it is you're, you're going to race the better.
1: I love that. Yeah. That that's, that's something that I don't think many people consider, you know, is reduce that stress and, mm-hmm. and try to get everything logistically planned out. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of nightmares where like I show up late and the race has already started. Right. Like that just seems like yeah. such right. <laughs> a terrible thing and I'm sure it happens all the time.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's, that is, I feel like that's a, a nightmare. Lots of runners have, uh, is, yeah. is just, yeah, you, you you show up and, and you're late or you're running late or, you know, something that you're stressed about and you don't want to have that stress in real life. You want to have everything nailed in. and
1: Yeah. So one thing that you talked about is being nervous. And that's part of the reason that people don't sleep. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that from my first marathon, I was so nervous mm-hmm. leading up to it, like the week before, even just mm-hmm. like terrified, like, what if I don't finish mm-hmm. all the things that you could worry about? I just was I don't know why, but I was just, and I think most runners that I've talked to have experienced that as well. And it's probably something that you are not going to be able to completely avoid for, especially for your first marathon. Mm -hmm. But like, would you say that's number one, would you say that's normal? And number two, like,
2: is there anything that can be done to, to subside the, the, the jitters? It's it's 100% normal. I, I don't know very many, or maybe any people who don't get nervous before a race, especially before a marathon, um, because it's such a big task, um, and so especially for like night before nervousness, um, that's really common in the marathon. I've run lots of marathons and I rarely sleep well the night before because it's a big thing and you and you care about it a lot, um, and that's why you get nervous is because you want to finish or you want to run your time and you really care and so you want to have a good day the next day and it gives you nerves. Um, I, but I would really say that you don't want to get rid of nerves. You, you don't want your nerves to be so bad that it's debilitating and it's, you know, it's, it's causing you to not be able to run well. Uh, I know that my wife has had those kind of nerves where she's like, you know, almost hyperventilating at the start line because she's so, uh, nervous about, uh, whether or not she, she can perform and prove herself. And those are the kind of nerves you don't want. Um, but some type of nerves are really, really going to help you on race day, um, especially the, the kind when you're at the start line and you're kind of, you're jittery, you're anxious, nervous, you're excited, nervous. That's a good kind of nerves that that gives you adrenaline and it's going to help you through the early stages of the race. And it's going to make your race pace feel a lot more comfortable because you have adrenaline pumping. Um, so don't. Um, just look at nerves as a negative thing. Uh, it's definitely a positive thing. Um, the last thing I'll say about nerves, sorry, real quick is just, especially for the marathon. Yes. You're going to be nervous the night before, but to me, I feel like I can, uh, control those because I know that in a marathon, the first, at least half the race isn't very painful. You know, you're going to get into the well into the race before you're really hurting. Um, and it's all about just kind of execution in the first half before it's, uh, pain with the execution. So, and by the time you get into the race, you're going to rise to the occasion and you're going to do everything you can. Um, and you can be nervous that it's going to, it's, it's going to hurt. And that's why you're nervous is because you know that you're going to put your body through something to, uh, to reach your goal. Um, and so that is, is a nervous thing. Um, but you don't have to be super nervous right at the start line because right when you start running it's not going to hurt the same way as like being on the start line of a mile race where yeah. it hurts immediately you know
1: <laughs> sure no that makes that's a really good way to think about it you know right now with covid going on and people getting vaccines like it's kind of the same thing right like as a kid or even as adults like you you kind of get super nervous before you get a shot just because you know like mm-hmm. for a split second it's going to be a slightly painful mm-hmm. and then afterwards you're like what what was i so worried right, about right Right. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing yeah there. um so okay so we made it to race day and um what kind of warm ups would you recommend like do we go run a mile do we do some strides what do we do yeah it's
2: a great question um it's it's really it varies so much depending on what level you're running at and, and also what race you're running. So, uh, for you in particular, uh, the majority of your marathon is, uh, like an easy downhill grade other than maybe the first, I think like two miles. And even then it's pretty flat. It barely goes up at all. Right. So for you, I would say, if you want to do a little bit of jogging just to kind of make sure you're warmed up, that would be fine. Um, but really. You could warm up in that first two miles, even if you run a few seconds slow, um, then the, the, your course is going to help you make that time up um, sure. pretty easily. Um, and so it, it would be okay for you to run a little bit slow in the first few miles, um, just so you don't really absolutely blast that next five miles downhill and go too fast, you know? Um, yeah. Whereas, Now for me, I'm at a higher level. And so my marathon pace feels a little bit more strenuous than yours will right at first. Um, but I'm able to maintain that, that level longer. Um, and so I will always jog for, uh, a mile, maybe 10 minutes, um, and, and do a few strides just right at marathon pace to get a feel for the pace. And then maybe one or two strides of, you know, 10 seconds that are just slightly faster than marathon pace, just to kind of put some, some zip into my legs and make marathon pace feel really comfortable right from the start. Um, so, okay. but, um, but yeah, I mean, for races that go downhill, especially where you, you're going to be able to warm up at your marathon pace without really working really hard, then you don't need a whole lot of a, of a warm up.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And then for, for most people listening who are kind of running their first marathon and, Adding any extra mileage at the beginning, I would assume, might be a bad, a bad idea, right? Because they're already going to have to put their, themselves through twenty six. Right. So,
2: it, yeah, it depends on uh, you know how prepared you are for the distance. If your goal is to complete the marathon, then by all means, don't warm up. And you know, your first two to three miles of the marathon is your warm up. Um, but the further along you get, uh, in as far as like pace and time, um, the harder it is for you to. To hit your marathon pace right from the beginning and the more important it will be to hit that pace right from the beginning and to do a little bit of a warm up before, um, will make those first miles easier and can actually save you energy. So if, if your marathon pace is, is not super duper comfortable right from the beginning and you want to make sure you're hitting it, then to try to start that without a warm up is actually going to make those first few miles harder and could deplete your energy quicker than if you were to just do, you know, a mile easy to get your blood flowing. So I'm sure. um, I'm never uh, worried about expanding too much energy in a short warm up before a marathon um, because I know that it's saving me energy in the race and and uh, you know it's it's more beneficial to me than detrimental. So it's just kind of a, a balance and And that is a learning curve for everyone. And like I said, as you progress, um, it becomes different. Um, so it's, it's a learning curve that you have to learn multiple times, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So then the race starts, are there some mental exercises that you kind of would have people go through or like, what do you want people thinking about? How do you overcome the mental challenges of the marathon?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, right at first, I I like to, when I'm warming up or when I'm, you know, on the bus ride to the start or whatever it is I'm doing during the morning, um, I'm really just, I'm thinking about executing um, my first half or first three quarters of the race even without getting excited um and without going too fast and getting ahead of myself um and sticking to my guns by going slow enough I guess um yeah is is really the focus and just um uh focusing on hitting that pace, you know, uh no matter what. It, whether it feels way too easy or maybe a tiny bit too hard, just kind of sticking to it. Um, and then some of my visualization visualization will be in that last 10 K the last six miles of the race of just, um, you know, that's when you really have to rise to the occasion to, uh, uh, to put forth all of your effort. And I, I like to remind myself of the training that I've done and how much I really want to hit my goal and how much I I'm thinking before the race that I want to really make myself hurt. Right. I really, I want to really push because it's really easy to forget how much you want it when you're hurting really bad at 22 miles, you know? And so I like to really remember how much I want it, um, and, and how much I've worked to, to run really hard this one day and to not give in to, um, into the pain.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's solid. That's solid advice. I, I just remember in my first marathon about mile five, I had sort of a mini panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that was just because I looked down at my watch and saw, Oh wow, I'm only five miles in. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be a long day. Mm -hmm. And do you have like any recommendations, any advice for, you know, not getting your mind to that point on race day?
2: Um, (laughs) that's, that's tough, man. I mean, it it is a long day um and they, you know that's part of why you get nervous about it and um i mean that's part of the the beauty of it and that's that's part of why you're so uh you have that sense of accomplishment afterwards um and so it, it's it kind of it is what it is i guess yeah oh, um, sure and so i think some of it is just um the practice of it, doing it more than, you know, once or twice. And as you as you've done it before, you know you can do it again. Um and having sure. confidence in yourself and and your training and just remembering the training is, is a huge thing that could probably help quite a bit is just remembering the things that you've done to prepare. Um, so, but for most people, almost all people training for a marathon the marathon is going to be the longest day R- rarely do people run yeah. 26 in training you know so and certainly yeah. not at their goal pace so
1: yeah and i would just say to people like look if i could do it like you can do it mm-hmm. and think of like the 99 i don't even know what the percentage is but think of like the vast majority of people who start the mar- marathon on race day actually finish mm-hmm. you know like the the dnf people the do not finish people like mm-hmm if you, if I had to guess, what would you think? Maybe 5%
2: or less less than that.
1: Yeah. So, so like you'll do it, you'll make it happen. And like you said, once you get that first one, I don't know, my second one, I'm hoping I don't go through that same mental struggle, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm thinking I won't because yeah, like you said, in my mind, I'll I'll be able to pull out that, Hey, I've already done this before. Like I already know I can do it. So that's off the table. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. Right.
1: So those last six miles is really a lot of people say that's when the race starts. That's when the marathon mm-hmm. really happens. Is there anything that can be done mentally or is it just, I mean, like you can't really teach that and you just got to push through it.
2: Yeah. It's really tough to, to teach and, and it's tough to, uh, yeah. Ar- articulate to, to anyone who hasn't felt it. Um, Yeah. The, the marathon really is like, uh, it's like the first half is 20 miles and the second half is six miles. Um, so, um, it's a different kind of fatigue than other races. You have to kind of stay in this zone of discomfort for quite a while. It's more muscle fatigue than it is aerobic. You know, if you run a mile, you're your legs are are hurting surely, but like it's a lot of lungs and even your your arms are like losing oxygen and it's a whole body fatigue thing that lasts for a few minutes whereas this is like your legs are uh, are really hurting and with each step but uh it's just kind of a it's more of a muscle pain than it is like a full body kind of thing so uh, I would say especially at a more like, uh, beginner intermediate level than, uh, than a, a, higher level, the higher level you go, the more you will be working aerobically later on. Um, and even throughout the race, but for, um, beginner intermediate up into the even advanced runners, it'll be a, a lot of it is, uh, muscle fatigue, um, yeah. and just kind of pushing through it. And, uh, it just takes a lot of practice to learn how to continue to, to run fast on tired legs, um, as opposed to just keep going, you know? So some of it is just to keep going and some of it is, uh, to keep pushing for, um, either goal pace or even if you're falling off of goal pace, to push for whatever you do have left, you know? Um, and to not give up just because you're maybe fading a little bit, but to really just keep grinding it out. So it just, it takes a lot of practice.
1: Well, there you go. Well, I, I think that I'm feeling prepared for race day. Like with this solid advice, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Let's, let's fast forward two weeks from now yeah. and get this, get this right. race, uh, over with. So Right. well,
2: you need a little <laughs> bit of rest after your workout today. So <laughs>
0: I know.
1: I, I definitely do. Well, I appreciate you coming on, mm-hmm. and uh, I look forward to continuing to work with you and uh, sharing this with everybody because you all get to hear how great Tyler is to work with. And uh, once again, his Instagram is how do you
2: say it? Tunderface. T u n d e r. So I'm um, yeah. So Tyler Underwood. So T under, um, but instead of Underwood, it's Underface. Oh, gotcha. Underface.
1: <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, hey, any last words?
2: Um, I'm excited to to see your race in two weeks, man. It's It's been a lot of fun uh, seeing your progression and, you, you know, you've gained a lot of fitness. So um, I, I really appreciate you having me on here and um, I'm excited to see what you do in two weeks.
1: Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks again. All right, everybody. Take care. Have a great day and we'll talk soon.
0: Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this runny journey with us.
1: Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K.